Hospitals and medical practices everywhere are implementing electronic medical records. Are they safe, efficient, effective? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing current therapies for new uses. And my guest is David Donnersberger, MD, JD. Dr. Donnersberger is a practicing physician and attorney and has become a national expert on emerging trends in computerized medical charts and paperless health records, specifically regarding privacy and confidentiality. Dr. Donnersberger and I are talking about the issues with electronic health records. Dr. Donnersberger, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your background and your expertise. Where'd you train and how is your practice going? I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing at Evanston Northwestern Healthcare in Evanston, Illinois. I'm on the clinical faculty at the Feinberg School of Medicine, Northwestern University in Chicago. I have a private practice in the northern suburbs of Chicago. I'm also a member of the Illinois Bar, and I practice law in the state of Illinois, primarily teaching residents, medical students, and other physicians on topics of ethics, humanities, and health law. Tell us how your work as an attorney affects your perception of medicine and the medical world at large. Every day, as I teach medical students and residents, I am constantly reminded and try to remind the students of the cultural, societal, and legal expectation of physicians and healthcare in Western civilization. I'm keenly aware of what our culture, what our legal system, what our history and our society expect of their physicians, expect of our hospitals, and expect of Western medicine. You've become interested in electronic medical records. When did that start, and uh, why did you become interested in that? It's an interesting story, Bruce. I was the senior resident in the intensive care unit on the night that my three-hospital hospital system went live with the electronic medical records. And I was just growing into my confidence at being a senior resident in the intensive care unit in the middle of the night at midnight when we went live. And then, boom, my pencil, my paper, my charts were pulled out from underneath me, and I now had to enter all of my orders, transfer patients, write my notes, and gather the information in an entirely paperless system. A few weeks later, across my desk came a copy of my notes that I had entered in the electronic charting system from those patients that first evening. And the lawyer side of me woke up and looked at it and said, wow, there were things that happened that night that are not reflected here. There are things that are in this electronic chart that I don't think occurred actually that way. And it really piqued my interest and has opened up a lifelong interest in how the paperless electronic medical chart is changing medicine. And how long ago was that? When did your health system start with that? This was about four and a half or five years ago. And... Do you recall thinking at the time, that's the same issue I have with paper records? Sometimes stuff gets left out. Sometimes there's things in there I don't remember that really occurring, or is that unique to the electronic record? Yes, it is, but in a whole new way. I think the court system, other physicians, nurses, pharmacists, unit secretaries, other doctors know how to read between the lines of our scribbly physician penmanship. This is a whole new 
playing field. This no longer had handwriting to draw from, no longer had scratched out words to draw from. Everything on the printed version of the electronic health record looked as if it was thought out, put down with the greatest forethought, and it had the air and the certitude of a printed, organized, electronic chart. And of course, I was flying by the seat of my pants at midnight that night. So it's been four and a half years later. How do you feel about electronic charts now? I think they're fantastic. I think they hold a whole promise of terrific societal benefits. Down the road, we have the opportunity for electronic health records to be shared between one healthcare institution and another. And there are numerous entrepreneurs, both small and gigantic, working on electronic health records that are scannable onto credit cards and key fobs, that we can have web accounts that have all of our health record information and accessible electronically over the internet. Soon that won't even be necessary because the electronic health system at a hospital in Aspen will be able to communicate with the electronic health record at a hospital in Greenwich, England. So other than the fact that they might be readily available either to be shared between physicians or for a patient to get access, what are the other reasons why there's this national movement to go towards an electronic health record? It's interesting, Bruce, that I think a completely unintended consequence of the 1999 Institutes of Medicine National Health Survey, which reported that there were some tens of thousands, maybe a hundred thousand preventable iatrogenic health deaths in the United States, gave a very powerful impetus to the electronic health record. Because that Institute of Medicine study from 1999 implied that physician error And of course, anytime you say physician error, it brings up physician penmanship and physician handwriting was the cause for a tremendous amount of preventable loss and death in the United States. That gave a lot of fuel to electronic health records, which would, by definition, remove poor penmanship from the patient's chart and require physicians to key in using the standard QWERTY keyboard the orders and the notes for each and every patient. In addition to that, the federal government may have the ability to track some national health trends and bioterrorism data using electronic health record amassed across the nation. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with physician and attorney David Donnersberger about the safety and efficacy of electronic medical records. So this all started in 1999, but was this a push from the government? Was this a push from physicians, patient advocacy groups, medicine in general? Who got this started? In the early 2000s, President Bush created an executive order forming the Office of the National Coordinator of Health Information Technology, O-N-C-H-I-T. And the Office of the National Coordinator of Health Information Technology within Health and Human Services is the agency empowered with incentivizing the adoption of electronic health records across 
the American healthcare system. In addition to that, the Office of the National Coordinator of Health Information Technology is working on standards for the electronic health record. So President Bush and his administration formalized within the Department of Health and Human Services an agency to impel and incentivize the adoption of electronic health records. But really, hospital systems have been, and physicians have been discussing and studying the need for changes in patient record security and order entry milieus for many, many years. And even without the creation of the Office of the National Coordinator of Health Information Technology, this probably would have happened on a wide-scale basis. Is this good for patients, and do the benefits outweigh the risks? That's a really interesting question. I think in the long term, 20 years from now, the electronic health record system is going to be looked at as one of the greatest benefits for patients that has occurred in the last hundred years. And I foresee it being a huge benefit for patients in terms of allowing patients firsthand access to their own medical records and allowing the portability of patient medical records as they travel, their medical records travel with them. The risks are some impersonalization in the medical records and that your physician now has to turn his or her head and type during an interview. There's an increased risk of more people through a health system being able to access medical record, which medical records which are no longer locked up in a file in the doc's back room. And I think that another benefit to the healthcare system is the electronic charting system really allows for perhaps more streamlined billing for doctors and hospital systems. But Bruce, in the long run, I believe that the portability and the patient access of their own health records is going to be a tremendous benefit to our American patients. So do you use the same system in your office that the hospital uses where you're on staff? Bruce, in fact, we do. And my partners and I debated in our office whether we should purchase any one of the widely available retail products that are out there for physicians or whether we should adopt the same electronic health record system that our local hospital uses. And our decision was to adopt the system that our local hospital uses because we felt that it gives our patients the best benefit. And that benefit is that if we write a note in our electronic health system on a Tuesday morning and in the middle of the night, the following Sunday night, that patient goes unconscious into the emergency room, the emergency room doctors and the emergency room staff can look at the note that I put in on that morning earlier in the week. Additionally, any specialists within our network can see exactly what we as our primary care, as the patient's primary care physicians put in the chart. Do you think patients are aware that physicians have made this change and what kind of obligation does a physician have to let the patient know? Bruce, that's an excellent ethical and legal question. There currently are no recommendations or requirements that physicians alert their patients that they are adopting a, an electronic health record system. Patients, I think, largely believe that their health records are in that file cabinet behind the front desk under lock and key. When a physician's office adopts an electronic health record system, 
the patient's medical information is now in electronic ether space available to many people outside of that physician's office or suite. In our group, we decided to send each and every one of our patients a letter beforehand explaining exactly what we were doing in terms of putting our patients' records on an electronic health system and outlining some of the benefits and some of the foreseeable risks in terms of privacy and confidentiality that this might raise for our patients. And did you lose any patients because of it? Bruce, in fact, we did. We lost probably a handful of patients out of several thousand. Electronic medical records are here to stay. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I want to thank our guest, physician and attorney David Donnersberger, for helping us take a look at some of the key issues surrounding the implementation of electronic medical records. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, president and chief science officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that repurposes existing therapies for new uses. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where you can find our new on-demand and podcast features that allow you to access our entire program library. And thank you for listening.